you know, we've got we've got a long roadmap ahead of us, um, lots of ideas. But um, in the pension space, it's a fact of life that you need you need scale um, to be able to sort of um, to, to fund what the, the great ideas that you've got. So um, to get to that point, um, we are still reliant on external funding um, and will be, you know, like like a lot like most tech startups. Um, for at least a couple of years, so um, the next the next step for us is to go through uh, another funding round, which we're planning to do in, in a few months' time. Um, that will help us expand the team again, trying to stay lean um, and, and not go on a hiring spree, but but bring in the bring in that sort of next level of of, um, of talent and um, an extra extra people that can help us um, take it to the next level. So we'll probably look at you know doubling the size of the team uh, following that. That round and, and that giving us a couple of years to to to, to push the product out to, out to more people. Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform, and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this week's episode, we're speaking with Chris Eastwood, a co-founder at Penfold. Penfold is a digital pension managed fully on your mobile phone for the self-employed, freelancers and contractors. They are on a mission to help people prepare properly for the future. Hello everyone and uh, welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship podcast. Um, Today we have Chris from Penfold. Um, Chris, thank you for coming on the show. How, uh, How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. And thanks very much for for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. Yeah, awesome. And so could you give us a bit of a background on on yourself um, and also what it is uh, that Penfold does? Yeah, absolutely. I'll um, I'll start with the Penfold bit. Um, So Penfold is a a simple and flexible pension built just for the self-employed. So the main problem we're trying to address really is there's 5 million, 6 million self-employed in the UK, but only about 15% of those regularly save into a pension. So that's a huge problem when you compare to those in full-time employment who are all offered a pension by their workplace at the moment. Um, you know, and there's a few, there's a few reasons for that. Um, some fundamental ones that, that we really believe we can address. Um, and those are briefly speaking, they're not being a viable option. That's just for them. That's, mm. that's really thought through the specific challenges relating to pensions and saving when you're self-employed. Um, you know, they don't have an HR team to set one up for them, like those of us in, in full-time jobs. And so, the process can be complicated. There's lots of jargon. There's lots of paperwork. Um, another problem is that the, the options just aren't flexible enough. So, mm. um, you know, when you're self-employed, your income can be very variable. Um, so you need a pension that's flexible enough to, for that. Um, and I guess the final problem is just sort of not knowing how much to save or, or what they should be doing, um, again, without having that sort of support network around. Um, so that's what Penfold is and what Penfold does. Um, and we can sort of come onto that in more detail later, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Myself, um, from a finance background, so um, I started off my career at Deloitte, trained as an accountant, and then moved into sort of 
corporate finance and then the investment management industry. So mm -hmm. I um, worked at an asset management firm that looks after the pensions for um, millions of people around the world. And so that was my introduction to the pension space. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the three co-founders. Um, I look after product um, mostly. Um, and then um, we have Pete and Stu as well um, as part of the founding team. Okay, awesome. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about ideation. So um, sure. you mentioned that you met um, a few co-founders and then you guys had sort of had a, a professional background just being introduced to, to pensions and and the like. So how did, uh, how did the idea come about between the three of you? And what also, uh, what's that dynamic like, you know, having a, a few of co-founders? Yeah, so um, the idea did, I guess, to embrace the cliche, it 100% came from the back of a napkin in a pub. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to admit, um, and that was back in November 2017, a mm -hmm. conversation with myself and, and Pete. Pete and I worked together when we both started our careers at, at Deloitte um, sort of 10 years or so ago now. Um, so two, two, out of the, two out of the three of us um, have been self-employed at one time or another. Mm -hmm. And so I've experienced the, the problem that we're trying to solve firsthand. And I would say that 100% of the founding team um, were really just frustrated in general by the lack of innovation and progress in the pension industry as a whole. I think, sure. you know, Pete had just set up the pension scheme at his previous job. Um, and after, and that was after trying and failing to set one up for himself when he was freelance. And I guess I've, I've always been the guy nagging his friends at, at the pub, or maybe not at the pub, but um, to pay more into their pension and to think, think more about these things. Um, so, you know, we, we got together and talked about it and, you know, sort of came to the conclusion that there, there are two problems, that pensions are hard to, hard to access, they're unengaging, they're inflexible. Um, and but more 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 importantly, I guess people just aren't saving enough, um, mm. and that's that's obviously going to be a huge problem for themselves in later life and and, and for society. Um, so you know that's that's how we that's how the idea came about, and we had a few Ooh. more a few more conversations over over a couple more pub sessions before we decided to take the plunge and give it yeah. a go. Yeah, cool. And so, um, what's it like having a couple of other co-founders? You mentioned uh, you yourself, so you take care of more of the. Um, the finance side of things within the business or is it product yeah products mostly um, okay but, but but you know with a small a small founding team and it was it was the three of us for a long time before we had a couple a couple freelancers as well but the three of us for a long time um and you know you all one you know one of the, one of them is a cto and that's a fairly defined job description um but for, for the other two for myself and pete we've um we've really done a lot of a lot of this stuff together so every decision yeah. is really made for the three of us and we go through we the the, the job roles are quite quite fluid mm -hmm. um and so you know if i if anyone's ever going through the thought process of should i found something on my own or should i do it with with a, with someone else i would always recommend to do it with someone else you know okay. we've 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 found bouncing ideas of each other incredibly valuable um throughout this Amazing. process and, and we've definitely got to better decisions by being a, a team yeah great no i i agree wholeheartedly um i think it's it's so much easier so having to launch a brand or you know a company within the digital space at the moment not just i mean there's just so many things that need to need to happen uh, and it's 
almost impossible for one person to take on all of those things at once you know um at least up until you get to the funding stage then you can start to hire in a variety of people but if you're bootstrapping and stuff between um yourself and no one else then it's yeah incredibly difficult i feel um cool so let's uh let's talk a little bit about funding then so when uh, have you guys bootstrapped all the way are you still bootstrapped have you been through um investment rounds you know where are you guys at so we've had um, a couple of funding rounds to date. Um, the first one was was pretty early in the process, actually, after after we'd done a lot of market research, mm-hmm. um, we jumped into, well, the, the first thing we did after we jumped into this full time was pull a PowerPoint deck together and start start pounding the streets and speaking to investors. Yeah. Um, found some really, we were very fortunate in that process and we found some really engaged and really supportive angel investors quite early in that process mm-hmm. um so managed to complete that that angel round in the summer and use that money over the course of the next 12 months to to build our mvp to get fully fca regulated and and um and to launch our beta um following achieving that we then went and spoke to went went to raise our our seed round which is the more substantial round we yeah. brought in some some early institutional capital as well um and that's that's what's allowed us to really sort of start start um publicly launch and building the team further yeah cool and and just a quick question then so it sounds like things moved quite quickly between you know that that angel round and then you know um snowballing into being able to launch and pitch for seed investment um when did branding come into play because i know know this is a bit of a, a big leap but um from you know experience and we've worked with a bunch of startups and sometimes um especially in what I imagine to be the, the pension space, um, maybe branding gets sidetracked a little bit. You know, it, it is something at this point in what you need on your presentations uh, when you're pitching for finance. Um, you know, you need to build sort of a, a picture of what this is going to look like, who this is going to speak to, um, and you know, who it serves and what the values are essentially. But uh, when did you guys? When did that come onto your radar? Um, and you know, was it an important thing, or was it something which was just? I will just stick a logo on the presentation. It was um, super important to us. Yeah. You know, okay. it, it, it started right, right at the start. And just after those conversations in the pub, we started, it all, I guess it all started with the name, mm. um, bouncing, bouncing name ideas back and forth. Um, I think once we, once we started full time and we were, we were thinking about the early stages of what the product would look like, we, we really wanted to step back and think what the brand should feel like before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first meetings we had was with one of my friends who's, a, who's brilliant in, in sort of the world of branding um, and verbal communication at least. Um, and we really wanted to sort of agree amongst ourselves what our values were um, and what, what, sort of, what sort of pet company we wanted to be um, and let that sort of flow through. I know that sounds like a cliche again, um, but it was really helpful. Um, and, mm. and actually the, the brand has really sort of developed organically since then but i would say you know we've had a couple iterations of a logo and a color scheme and things like that but the values and the tone of voice and the way that we present ourselves i think has been fairly consistent from the start which is which has been really helpful that's incredible i mean it's uh it's lovely to to hear that you guys really value the 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 branding in the space because this is yeah definitely something you have to have and if you have it properly done from the beginning it only helps you uh go further and faster so uh, you mentioned you had a different, uh, a few different versions of the logo. Um, so how did you work on that? Did you work with a freelancer to, to do it uh, with at the beginning or did you go to an agency? What was the process like? Yeah, we, um, we've never, 
it, it's always been freelancers helping out and we've we have a sort of a small army of freelancers who, who we work with which is great given that that's who we're preparing who we're building the product for okay. um, yeah so um so yeah it's it's been a succession of, of freelancers over the course of the last couple of years um it was actually someone that pete used to work with um who gave us our, the initial logo of the folded p um that has actually stayed with us basically from the start till now um but the color schemes changed a little bit along the, along mm. the way awesome and uh and at this at this point for example do you guys have uh, an internal brand guidelines document or is that still sort of like floating logo acids and stuff like that yeah we we do i mean we've got a tone of voice document that we use and um, which which brings a lot of it together um, particularly as we're doing a lot of work on the on the content production side which i'm sure we'll talk about in a bit um, so it's it's obviously important to get that consistent um, and then we've just got a sort of a uh, an array of visual assets that we use on the on the sort of the visual side so um, haven't gone the whole hog with an agency and pulled together a nice 20 page guideline doc um, probably something we will need to do as we grow yeah it's something that i think as a startup, you need to have that balance between moving very quickly and then also getting stuff as, as detailed as, as possible, right? Um, focusing on being functional uh, and, and actually performing and getting stuff out there rather than stuck in strategy sessions and workshops for, you know, six months. It's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. So team-wise then, how big are you guys over at Penfold? What's the headcount like? Yeah, so you know, we're... I guess we're really conscious that we're trying to do do things differently, um, more efficiently, leveraging technology as far as we can. Mm -hmm. So really, we've tried to keep the team as lean as possible. Um, yeah. Today, we're we're nine people, nine full time employees, um, and at any given time, between four and eight uh, freelancers working with us, um, sort of integrated as part of the team. So all in our sure. Slack channel, as as if they were one of the team. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess building that team was 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 pretty slow to begin with. So um, it was the founding team plus two engineering contractors that got us all the way to being a fully FCA regulated pension company, um, which we're you know something we're, we're hugely proud of. Um, and, Absolutely. You know. Go on. Oh, I imagine there's a lot of hoops to jump through there. <laughs> yeah, there's there are a lot of hoops, not just building the software, but going through the, the regulatory process and, and all of that stuff and integrating with providers and, and, and those things. So, but you know, from from there, it's accelerated accelerated somewhat, um, aided by the seed round and um, something else we're particularly proud of is converting those two engineering freelancers into full time employees when, mm -hmm. when we had the funding in, um, and um, before we brought on another another two brilliant guys um to the to the engineering team a product designer um an in-house pensions expert and a, and a two-person customer operations team that have you know who were, had their hands full at the start interacting with 50 customers but now are easily interacting with 5,000 of them so yeah. shows shows <laughs> the work that they've done to to scale to scale that at the same time yeah incredible and you mentioned you you had a, a product designer there so in terms of um creating that mvp what did the the team structure look like into you know creating that um how was it structured yeah so that was pre-product designer yeah okay. um yeah, so um, I guess I should say that the MVP went live, say, June of last year. And the, and the idea was 
get to market as soon as possible um, and you know and start and start learning from interacting with customers oh, it sounds obvious yeah. um, we spent three months in that in that um, beta pro, um, process um, during which the product designer came on board and and implemented a load of changes and basically re remodeled the the onboarding flow so that the version that we launched in October was substantially better yeah. um, but I guess up to that point it had been um, you know the founding team plus plus various um, design contractors that we that we had worked with along the way, um, and it's you know it's it's it morphed quite a lot along that journey as as you might imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, How long did that that process take? Then you mentioned you launched in October with like a more polished version with with the designers input. Um, when when was the or what was the gap between MVP and and sort of a more polished? Product? Yeah. So. Um, I guess we we launched at the start of June in beta and then the start of October in um, publicly. So yeah. so three months, but um, uh, not all of that. Two thousand and nineteen, right? Two thousand and nineteen. Apologies. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. No yeah. Um, so yeah, there was there was a there's a whole load of product iteration that we did during that time and mm. and, and a lot of learning and, and scaling operations at the same time. So um, it was a, probably a couple month process of. of it's not quite ripping it up, but but um, but imp- improving it along the way. Yeah, not bad. I mean, I've seen in uh, some startups, you know, a sprint take uh, two or three months, let alone a, a revolution of the product. So that's pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> it's always always really good to move quickly and keep your eye on the prize rather than get sidetracked. Uh, so cool. Let's um, let's jump into some of the marketing tactics that you guys are using. So, how big is your user base at the moment? Yeah, so there's about um, just over 6,000 at the moment, 6,500. Okay. Awesome. That's incredible. And how long is it since you've launched? So how long did you guys, take you guys to get there? Six. We, we, that beta process that we did last year um, was capped at 100 users. So um, we really wanted to keep it to a small group so we could get some real um, personal feedback from people. Um, so really, we started in October with 100, um, yeah. and and we're at we're at the sort of the six and a half thousand now. So wow. you know we're 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 really happy with that um, with that progress, obviously. Um, but there's a huge huge way to go, particularly when you compare it to the the stats I gave at the start around five million self-employed and um, mm. only 15% of them saving into a pension. Yeah, not bad. So since October, what have, what have you done to, to drive traffic and drive new customers? Yeah, I guess just going back to slightly before October, um, mm-hmm. the early days of marketing was, you know, 100% grassroots stuff going out and speaking to as many people as possible. You know, that was part cool. of the research process and understanding what problems and challenges people face when it comes to pensions. And I guess that research process then morphs into the early days of marketing. Mm-hmm. As you start talking to people about what you're going to build, you naturally get them quite excited about it. Yeah. You know, that's how we pulled the, the beta together. And keeping our beta small at, at 100, um, we were obviously spending that time telling others about it. So continual grassroots without doing sort of the, the, the without investing in marketing itself. Once we, once we launched in October, um, we had built up some nice demand organically, um, which we amplified in two ways. So starting to invest heavily in, in sort of the online performance marketing, Google yeah. and Facebook. Um, but also we did a, a round of PR in October, um, okay. which we, we, got in, we got in quite a few national publications, which was really cool. Um, just to, obviously really important to, to get our name out there. If you're going to trust people to um, put their put substantial amounts of money in a, in a new startup, you've really got to build that 
build that trust and and, yeah. and the PR really helped with that. Um, so you know, since since then, um, it's been a mixture of continued investment in in that sort of that online performance marketing on, on Google and Facebook um, we've launched a referral campaign um, referral program um, which is which has been pretty pretty successful um, but one of the other big areas is one of the big problems in pensions is that pension companies don't aren't great at talking to their customers oh. or, or explaining the awesome benefits of pensions to to people and that's one of the reasons why we think people aren't saving enough so a huge drive for us is putting some great content out there that that really demystifies pensions that makes them you know accessible understandable but tries to communicate quite how beneficial they are for people yeah. um so so putting putting lots of content out there um and trying to amplify that through through social channels incredible and how does that um content machine look like in in the business is it an in-house team that you you guys have or do you work with a, an external partner yeah it's um it's a mix it started off uh, founding team writing the blogs um and then our awesome customer operations team who wear about a hundred different hats uh, mm. and can basically do anything um that they need to which is which is great they they're now taking over writing those blogs but we also have a couple of freelancers um who are really experienced um ex-journalists and, and copywriters who can who can help us with some of that stuff as we as we grow a bit larger cool and do you work with uh, an agency for leveraging that content as well, or is that another hat for the customer team? Yeah, there is. There is a. I, I guess you could call them an agency. There's a. There's a team who um, called the Doers, who are great. Who. Um, who were actually customers of ours. Um, who have been helping us. Um, you know get our content out there and building mm. our building our our voice and our brand um so they've been great but um as, as we as, as i've referred to our sort of small army of freelancers we we generally sort of identify gaps that we have and, and go out and, uh, and find the right people to help us with it cool that's really so, uh, good. in terms of the creative content that you guys are putting out there so you mentioned blogs um what about video content is that on the roadmap yeah, I was just reviewing a video just before we um, before we had this podcast. Actually, <laughs> oh nice. Um, so we we were yeah, absolutely we putting videos out there on our on our homepage, but also also on social. We we had a round of user feedback recently where they said actually they're quite sick of seeing seeing posts from companies on their social with a blog that they can't be bothered to click through to, which I totally understand. Mm -hmm. um, but seeing a video right there and then um, is much more engaging. So uh, we took that on board and uh, hopefully putting something out there soon. Incredible. Yeah, it's I think especially in, in sort of this finance space where there is so much education to be done, video is just such an amazing medium. And uh, if you can really convey that brand voice and build that brand voice really within the content, that's going to be not only great for your brand awareness, but engagement as well. So looking forward to see what you guys come up with. Awesome. Yeah, wicked well. Um, so let's talk about scaling then. Um, you guys, uh, you know, you're you're in a great position at the moment, and it sounds like you've got a ton of things on the roadmap for the future. Um, how, you know, how are you guys going to actually get to that five million self-employed? You know, how how are you going to scale up your operations? Yeah. So, um, you know, we've got we've got a long roadmap ahead of us. Um, lots of ideas, but. Um, in the pension space, it's a fact of life that you need you need scale um, to be able to sort of um, to, to fund what the, the great ideas that you've got. So um, to get to that point, um, we are still reliant on external funding, um, mm -hmm. and will be 
you know, like like a lot like most tech startups um, for at least a couple of years. So um, the next the next step for us is to go through uh, another funding round, which we're planning to do in, in a few months time. Um, that will help us expand the team again, trying to stay lean um, and, and not go on a hiring spree, but but bring in the bring in that sort of next level of of um, of talent and um, an extra extra people that can help us um, take it to the next level. So we'll probably look at you know doubling the size of the team uh, following that that round and, and that giving us a couple of years to 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 push the product out to out to more people. Absolutely. No, I think that there's a, a massive scope for disruption in that industry, especially within the UK, um, if not across you know worldwide. But that's uh, I think that's going to be a really fun journey to go down. I, what round investment will it be for the next next one you're seeking will that be b so the next one will be an a round a round yeah okay yeah cool yeah so we're just going through the process of having those early discussions now and um hope to kick that off obviously um it remains to be seen what the current market environment is like and the impact that has on on fundraising but um you know we're pretty confident that we're in a good position because you know we've we seem to be really connecting with customers, which is which is amazing to see. We, we we're getting lots of feedback from, directly from them around, you know, just how easy it is to use. And and the other one is, you know, how friendly the and responsive the team are. Mm. Um, that's something that's you, you don't get a lot in pensions. It would appear um, <laughs> someone speaking to you in normal language, but um, it's being responsive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, so yeah, a, a round is next. Um, hopefully this year. Wicked. Well, you are a co-founder over at Penfold. So, you know, you've been through this journey, you've been through the trenches, essentially, you know, you and your co-founders building this idea from a napkin, you know, looking back um, over the past couple of years, then what is it? Um, or is there any nuggets of information or any advice you could give to people that actually want to go down this journey themselves or maybe halfway through it at the moment? Um, anything that you could do differently or, you know, any nuggets? Yeah, um, I guess it's really, I mean, we're still very early days in, in, in the project and, and in our journey and where we want to get to. Mm. Um, but even now, it's, it's really easy to look at where we are and, and think, my God, we could have, we could have gotten there so much faster if we'd just seen, seen where, seen where we are now and, and gone there straight away. Mm. Um, but I guess that's, that's the, um, you know, that applies to fundraising, that applies to hiring, that applies to product development. Um, I guess from my perspective, mostly focused on product, mm -hmm. um, it really pains me to think of all the time we spent building stuff that is no longer a part of the product. But I think that's, you know, that's, that's just a part of the process. You know, yeah. we've always, we've always tried to iterate um, and build, you know, to the best based on our best conviction at the time um and i think that's that's the thing with startups really every day you you try something new and something you haven't done before and you you don't get it right every time but you but you learn from it so um i think looking back we're genuinely pretty happy with the decision process we had every step of the, of the way mm -hmm. um and that goes back to having having a multiple person founding team and bouncing those ideas off each other and um and really um, coming to a, coming to sort of what you all agree is, is the best next step. Um, I guess one thing would be on the, on the product side is we did a lot of, we did a lot of user testing with our early design screens. So we, we worked with a designer to mock up the product um, for quite some time and took those screens and, and tested them in the market for a, 
you know, a lot of that process. But actually, we we found you get a lot, a lot more a lot more valuable feedback from having a, an active prototype that, that they can actually use. Um, so I would I would recommend yes, you need to do a lot of your market research. You really need to understand customers, but build something that works and get people using it. Um, that's 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 one thing that, where we could have cut a bit of time. But as I say, we've um, we've been, we've we're happy with the decision process along the way, and uh, obviously it'd be nice to get somewhere faster. But but it's a good good position to be in, I suppose. And uh, so, what's on the the roadmap for the future for Penfold? Then, what are you guys working on? Yeah, so um, you know, we're we're early days. As I say, we we launched in October and have seen some some great uptake from the self self employed community since then, um, with over five thousand signups in the first few months. Um, we've just launched our iOS and Android apps, um, which is really great. Cool. Um, and so there's so much more to come on, I guess, on the product side, serving serving the self-employed based on what they've been telling us they, they really want to see in the product. So, you know, more ethical investment options, both on a, from a sustainability point of view or a Sharia compliant point of view, or more modern ways to pay into your pension, um, because yeah. we're all about that flexibility of, of how you pay in, or better tools for figuring out how much to save into your pension. There's a huge long sort of product roadmap just on improving that, that self-employed pension app. But I guess I'd say that, you know, this, this problem isn't just problem for the self-employed. Um, pensions generally don't work for the modern world of work. Um, with people changing changing their jobs every 18 months or 12 months, moving from employment to self-employment, back again, entrepreneurship, remote work around the world. You know, we want we want Penfold to become the pension that works whatever your working circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess to, you know, the easiest way, the best way to pay into your pension is when your con- pension contributions are taken from your income before they ever hit your bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to have the pain of paying money into something that you're not going to get back <laughs> for another yeah, 30 years. Yeah. So, you know, whatever your source of income, be that your employer or be that your own clients, if you're self-employed or even, you know, the large gig platforms, um, you know, we want Penfold to be there as a plugin at that source of income. So that means, offering Penfold to businesses as a workplace pension scheme. Yeah. That means integrations with other large financial platforms, be it challenger banks or payroll Incredible. providers or gig platforms. So, so that's the future. Uh, that's where we want to go in the next couple of years. But um, the pension is ultimately for the individual. And, um, and that's where I think a lot of pension companies have fallen short in, historically. Mm. It's, it's building the best, best product for large employers because it's large employers that set up large pension schemes. So it's understandable, but you then have this big gap on on how those pe- how pensions are um, communicated to the actual end user, the employee. And so, you know, you have this massive lack of engagement um, from even those who are receiving pensions from their employer. Um, you know, most people we speak to don't don't know how to log in and check how much is in their pension or even you know how many they've got from old employers because they've been lost um so as i say not just the problem for the self-employed all of the stuff that we're learning around the best way to to communicate and engage individual self-employed people um can is a parallel to to those those in of different circumstances in the uk and and around the world So a massive thank you to Penfold for speaking to us. You can find them on the App Store and Google Play Store by searching Penfold. That's 
P-E-N-F-O-L-D. If you want to learn more, find them online on getpenfold.com. You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio, a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.